right, you can have a seat. All right, this morning, this lovely cold morning, right? Happy Valentine's Day. We are going to start with a picture. So if I can have that first slide. All right. So that is me, circa 1977-78, somewhere in that. Little had a little more red hair at that point in time. And what you can see in that picture is genetics had placed in me the power, as one song lyrics put it, to I want it my way. Right? Sound familiar to anyone else? Right? No takers? Well, sometimes it's cute, right? As we're little and we have, we see our, our kids, our nieces and nephews and stuff have temper tantrums, right? I have one story that I share with permission for my son who's 18 now. He, he was a year and a half old or thereabouts in our first home and something had happened and we said no and he threw himself to the floor, right? Cracked his head on the floor. So there was kind of part temper tantrum, part I hurt myself cry going on there. Well, not more than a day later, something else happened. Same, about exact spot. And we said no to something. But this time he gently laid himself on the floor and then started to throw a temper tantrum. So he had partial self-control, right? But not full self-control. But what happens when we don't put this in check, right? For me, it'd be wrestling with, do I choose what I want to do? Or maybe where God wants me. Question like, it's only one more drink. What, what difference does it really make? The roads were designed for 75 mile an hour travel. Why would I drive 55? What's wrong with doing a full Star Wars weekend? I don't see any problem with watching movies that long. I think I'll have one more brownie or bag of M&Ms or Dove chocolates. I mean, they're made with sugar cane. That's really a vegetable, right? And then if we look at 2020, right, we have some examples, so you get to participate, right? How many of us have watched Netflix, Hulu, Prime, maybe got off VCR tapes for hours on end, right, just to get away? Okay? I'm not the only one. That's good. How many youth out there, like my guys in my small group, have, have went and played Fortnite or Assassin's Creed or for hours on end just to get away, right? That happens. Or how many like me have gained a few pounds because of stress eating, right? Grabbing one more bowl of chocolate marshmallow ice cream or Van Veen's chocolates or that tub of frosting out of the fridge with a spoon. Is that just me? Maybe you're noticing a passion for chocolate and sugar that I have. Uh, maybe that's a confession here this morning. And, and, and then I want to move it to our country, right? And I, and I want you to hear my words, okay? So, so just here, have a little bit of grace in this, but I think we need to push a little bit into this this morning. You know, what happened in Minneapolis was absolutely wrong. But some, some people have continued to target people, destroying, stealing. That's wrong too. And there's been, there's been fraud in every election since we started having elections, right? To do what we did in the Capitol is also wrong. So we are divided because, in my opinion, of our lack of self-control and unwillingness to listen to each other. And politicians on both sides are pushing and fueling that fame. It's being planted by big tech. If you haven't seen it, you have access to Netflix. Watch Social Dilemma. It's a documentary. I encourage you to do that. But it's trickling into our communities, our schools. I've seen it with my kids and in our own church. We have to stop and listen to each other and seek self-control. So, even though it's the last fruit of the Spirit and it's called self-control, I believe we can't do it on our own. And that's where we're going this morning. So, if I can have the second slide. So, the theme for today is there is no I in self-control. 
but it does involve you. I'll say that again. There is no I in self-control, but it does involve you. So God gives us a way to help us with self-control, and we're going to unpack that, and we're going to have to build some walls. We're going to try and do that through a visible, uh, visual demonstration as I preach, and we'll see how that goes. And we have to do that because I think the greatest battle is with ourselves. And we have to choose in each situation, are we going to react or are we going to respond? And we'll unpack that. And ultimately asking ourselves, am I trusting in my commitment to God or God's commitment to me? Flip that to you. Are you trusting in your commitment to God or God's commitment to you? Because how you answer that makes all the difference. All right, so we're going to jump in this morning. So what do you think of when you hear the words self-control? Anybody want to share anything? Willpower. Willpower. Great. One more. I know there's no coffee out there, but I know you can do it. It's cold, but anybody else when you think of self-control? Not eating. Yeah, not eating a second, third, or fourth brownie. I love that because I can totally relate, as you can tell. No, those are great, right? It's willpower. We think of temperance. We think of moderation, right? Constraint. But I love it. In the original Greek language, the word is egratia. It means in strength. And expands in the, in the dictionary, and it says, proceeding out from within oneself, but not by oneself. There is no I in self-control, but it does involve you. Okay, let's look at our first scripture uh, verse. Uh, If you have your devices, it'll be up on the screen. Titus 2, verses 11 through 14. Hear the words of the Lord. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. That grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. The words of the Lord. So God, God led me here to start with this passage as we read this. If you look at verses in 11 and 12, what does it say about self-control? Where does it come from? It's not a trick question. God's grace. See, it comes from God through Christ dying to redeem us. Not anything we do to bring us into self-control. And I don't know about you, but that's great because I have no self-control. Right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this throughout the morning here as an example. It's going to be a little hard for those at home, too. It's an M&M machine. Right? There's different forms of these, but I've got a little story to tell, and we'll use that as we go through the morning here. So when we were, it was 2004, Michelle was seven months pregnant. We had a two-year-old, and we decided to move to Ohio uh, with Pedal Corporation, away from all family and friends, and just to add insult to injury, we decided to build a house as well. So why not just have all, all those things going on at once? Well, as any good husband would do, there's a place called Grater's Ice Cream. This is a good part of the story. If you ever go through Ohio, go to Grater's or go to Kroger's grocery store and get some of that ice cream. It's amazing. She likes ice cream when she's pregnant. So I did as any good husband would do. I would sacrifice and have ice cream with her. But also at that time, as I was starting a new job, one of my teammates had an M&M machine. She had the one that was the, the M&M you know, circle, and you pull down, right? This one's a jackpot, it's got a little thing on it. Pull it, all of a sudden you get a shot of M&Ms, right? 
So every time I was going into her office, well, I'll just have it's just a few M&Ms, right? Take a shot of M&Ms. Well, needless to say, two months into this journey, my pants didn't fit. <laughs> so I did as any good accountant would do. I said, I gotta see how many M&Ms I'm actually eating. So I didn't change anything for the next two days. Every time I went into her office, I took the shot like I normally would, and then I counted the M&Ms. At the end of that two days, I realized I was eating two king-size bags of M&Ms every day. That's like 900 calories. No wonder my pants didn't fit, right? So I share that story because it's good. Because of my own, I have no self-control. So it is good that God is the person and his grace is giving me self-control. You see, we have two competing voices. Right, and, and it's the greatest battle we have is with ourselves. And those two voices, we usually say good and evil, but I'd like to reframe that this morning. Could it be, could it be faith and defeat? Right, when I, when I say faith, you believe the promises in this book, right? Not believe some of it or what I wanna believe or how I wanna interpret it, but everything in this book, that it's true. Some things I like, some things I may not like, some things I may not understand that there is only one true identity and that is in Christ? Or do I believe in defeat, right? I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, skinny enough, whatever society plants in us. But you see, we have the power, as we just read, if we believe in Jesus, if we are listening, if we're putting in those spiritual disciplines, choosing to claim the power of Christ, putting on the full armor of God, but are we doing that? Because we have this power, not from us, but from him. Because there is no I in self-control. But, but we have to be an active participant. So if I can have the next slide, uh, Philippians 2 through 12. So therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, here's the key, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. See, we have to read that carefully. It says work out. It doesn't say work for, right? Jesus did that work for us on the cross. But we have to work it out. And I have a picture. It's maybe a little hard to see there, but it's of a symphony orchestra, right? Tom mentioned a few weeks ago, I love music. I'm a big music person too. That really resonated with me. Um, I have way more songs, 15,000 or so, in my, YouTube, in my uh, Amazon and library. Um, but as you think about a symphony or any song ever written, there's a songwriter, a composer. They have the power, right? They're writing all these different pieces for the different instruments, for the singers. They give us a promise that if you read it and go through it like it says, it's gonna be beautiful. But it takes the musicians to work it out. Right? Does that make sense? See, we have that power. Now, if, you, if we participate with God, if we participate with God, we can get there. We can follow his promises. We can use his power. So I ask again, are you trusting in your commitment to God or God's commitment to you? See, if you're like me, if you look at it and if you're not relying on God, it's not gonna work out, right? We see that from the beginning from Adam and Eve, right? They had a commitment from God but they believed in defeat and that they didn't have all the knowledge they needed. So they chose into that because they wanted to live out their promise to God. 
So now let's, let's unpack, how do, we, how do we do this? How do we, how do we participate with that? So if I can have the next slide, it comes from Proverbs 25 through 28. And I really like Proverbs. If you haven't done the Proverbs, one proverb a day for a month, do it, it's great. There's tons of great wisdom to nurture out of that book. But this is one little verse, 20, verse uh, chapter 25, verse 28, it says, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. And hopefully you can see it there. Hopefully you can see it at home. Uh, there's a city there with a wall around it, right? So throughout history, in ancient times, right, they built walls around cities because to protect themselves. So when you're outside, around, inside those walls, you were safe from armies that were attacking, from wild beasts and all those types of things. See, today in our society, I think we relish tearing down walls. And, and don't hear what I, I don't want you to hear. It's not about politics and some of the things going on there. But it's about social things, right? It's not so much physical. We, we're tearing down moral walls. Everything's okay. Everything isn't okay. We have to remember that. So may I suggest to you this morning that we have to build some walls, right? So for me, I shouldn't have an M&M machine at work or probably in my home, right? That, that's a wall I can build, right? I have filters on my internet and Michelle has the password. Not because I'm an evil person, but I know I'm, like Paul says, given my own vices, I will do what I don't want to do, right? So we need to build some walls. I need to put scripture in my heart each and every day, right? To build some walls. I need to take time to listen and see where God is leading me through each day and build some walls. So I'd ask if you would, maybe with just with your groups around you or just by yourself, what are some of those things for you? So I'd like to give us just a minute just to think through what are maybe some of those things and I'm gonna try and get two or three people to share. What are some walls you maybe need to build? Okay, give it a minute. All right, it's always good to see some humor, some laughter going on as you're sharing some stories. So does that, anybody have anything they wanna share? Some walls that you maybe think you need to build? Anybody? All right, could it be maybe you shouldn't drive by Smoky Row on your way to work so you don't have another $5 coffee? I don't know, maybe that's a wall you need to build. Maybe you shouldn't go with some friends to the bar after work because you know you can't just have one drink. I don't know, maybe that's a wall you need to build. Maybe, maybe it's just taking time and actually putting quiet time in your life, doing a devotional, using some prayer time, putting that actually in your life. Maybe that's part of a wall you need to build. I don't know what that is for you. See, that's how we start to win the battle with ourselves, is to cultivate a light of connectedness with God, abiding with Him, as Pastor Kevin has been talking about in the sanctuary. You see, as, as I've wrestled with this, I think the biggest question as we, as we walk into this is, in each situation, and Mike did a great job, he alluded to this in, in one of his prayers this morning, is are we moving in, are we reacting in a situation, or are we responding? Right, and what we mean by that, I tend to, as you saw in that first picture, right, I'm a reactor, right? I'm a challenger. So as Tom mentioned the Enneagram a few weeks ago, I related right there. So uh, I, I, I can blow up real quick and then say, do you want to go out for a hamburger? 
right? That's just how I'm wired, right? I hit, hit things on directly and then move on. Um, but if we're reacting, our emotions take control. We get defensive. Harsh words are spoken that we can't take back. It's fear-based in most cases because we can't control the situation. There's actions we will regret. But, or am I moving into responding? And that involves intentional thought, guided by reason. It's love-based, not fear-based. There's an intentional pause to listen, to choose words and actions carefully because we know there are consequences. It's using emotional intelligence to think through how do we move forward together, right? Not that we shouldn't have good debate. We should have good and powerful debate on issues and topics, but how do we do it with respect and honor to each other's differences? How do we ask questions, as Brian mentioned, to understand each other? You see, we have to be intentional. And that is the word God gave me for 2021, is be intentional. Be intentional in what I choose to do, what I choose to say, what I choose into, to where I spend my time. In the last, last few months I have with my son before he goes to college. To be intentional with my daughter in those conversations when she's dealing with her anxiety disorder. To be intentional with my wife as we talk about and think about what's next in our chapters. To be intentional with those folks at work, my family and friends. You see, it's hard for me, and so I'll give you another little glimpse into me. So I have a PowerPoint at work, and I keep track of many things. Despair.com is one of my favorite sites to get a little humor. Um, I'll let you look at that yourself. But I keep these, track of all these uh, quotes, right? And things that I think would be a good teacher. You know, things, things like this, right? And it says, I'm not arguing, I'm just explaining why I'm right. Right? So, amen. Right? So there, there's a lot of these types of things, and I keep track of them, right? And I love, those that know me, I love movie quotes, song quotes. I am great at Trivial Pursuit because I have a lot of useless knowledge up here. Um, but it comes out. Right? And a couple weeks ago, someone was kind of being a jack wagon to me. And so one just came out, and I said, you know what? Right now, you're like a glow stick. I just want to shake and shake until the lights come on. Right? <laughs> and it, it broke the tension. But I went back later and apologized, right? Because my quick wit and my humor can get me into trouble, and I know that. So I'm feeling this morning. You guys willing to do a little bit of an exercise with me? Sure. Awesome. I had a sure. Thank you. All right. So I, I'm just feeling led to maybe do this. So I just think there's a lot because. Because Mike pushed into it this morning as well. So could, would, you, would you close your eyes? Um, could you just think about, you know, have you been reacting or responding these last 12 months? Just think about some situations. Now, what would, what would your family or friends say if I asked them that same question? What would someone reading your social media, how would they answer that question? If you're like me, I'm guessing you have a few of those things um, that maybe you didn't, you reacted more than you'd like to. Could you just say a quick prayer to say, God, please forgive me for whatever that situation was where I reacted. Maybe I hurt someone's feelings. Maybe I said words I shouldn't have said. Can you just ask for forgiveness for that right now? 
Lord, would you just hear those prayers, Lord, as we all walk through this journey of life and uh, wrestle with the way things we want it to be versus the way you want it to be. So may they see that sins are as far away as the east is from the west, Lord, if we've repented. So thank you for that. Amen. Thanks for joining with me. I know that's hard, but I just felt like pushing into that a little bit this morning. You see, and, and why I think that's important is because I really think that lack of self-control is a gateway drug. And let me explain that. If I can have the next slide. If you remember the verses preceding the fruit of the Spirit are these verses in Galatians. And it says the acts of flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and the like. You see, without self-control, we will build habits. We will form them. We'll think they're not addictive and we can quit any time. But we'll need more and more of those things to satisfy our need. And when that thing for us doesn't get us where we need to be anymore, we will progressively pursue more sinful acts to get that hit, to hit our pleasure center, to make sure that we are in control. And there's multiple stories in the Bible that talk about this and kind of show the example of being, of not having self-control. The one I'd like to do just a Cliff Notes version on is Samson. So you can go to the book of Judges and you can get more details on this. Some of you will know the story, some of you won't. But during that time in Judges, basically, the Israelites were doing whatever they saw fit. So everything was okay. Sound familiar? And they would continue in this cycle, and then they go, oh boy, this is really bad. God, please send us something. Send us, send us a judge to help us. So when Samson was one of these, and God had went to his mom and said, hey, he's going to be a Nazarite, which means he's not going to cut his hair, not going to drink alcohol, and a few other things. So he had this mighty strength. The Holy Spirit came on him, and he had a mighty strength, and he could, he could take out 50, 60 men at a time. Now, he had a vice that he didn't build a wall around. And that was to the sworn enemies that they were not supposed to intermingle with the Philistine, Philistine women. So he got married to one. That didn't end well. Then he went to a prostitute. Not a good idea. And then came Delilah. The Philistines had conscripted her to figure out where his strength came from. And multiple times, multiple times she said, oh, don't you love me? You tell me your strength. And so he would lie and he'd say, oh, if you just braid my hair, my strength would go away. He'd fall asleep, he'd wake up, his hair was braided, and there'd be 50 soldiers around trying to kill him. <laughs> and this happened multiple times. And he didn't get it because he kept that vice close. And eventually he told her, and she shaved his head, and strength went away, and it ended badly. So what's the point? Do you know when you were at your weak point and making poor decisions? Sometimes it's hard to see. We don't have that wall. I can still see the M&M machine, right? I got to get that wall a little higher because I'm keeping it too close. We must move out away from them. We must identify those triggers, the things, and put things in place to help us build walls. On the other side of that, we have Jesus. And I know that's always a hard example, but on the other end, we see that 
after 40 days and 40 nights, right, the devil comes and tempts him. Similar to us, it's when he was vulnerable, right? When he's weak and frail, discouraged. I don't know about you, but that's usually when I get attacked the most. Tired, without sleep, whatever that may be. And you see, he questions that, if you're the son of God, right? That's basically saying, what are you, chicken? <laughs> right? He's challenging his personhood. And it's a reasonable temptation. He's starving. He says, just turn these stones into bread. It's not that big a deal. If I just take this deduction, I know it's a little gray. It's not that big a deal on my taxes, right? It's either usually a reasonable thing, just like mine. Chocolate, and it's made from sugar, which is a vegetable, and the cocoa bean is technically a fruit, right? I can rationalize myself to whatever I want. Because even Jesus knew there was no I in self-control. He had to rely on the words of God, right, to get him out of that situation. So if we have a strong foundation, God will help us build those walls, put scripture in our heart, focus on him. Again, not that M&Ms are bad, but two bags a day is probably a little much. So are you trusting in God's commitment? you or your commitment to God. So now as we wrap up this sermon series, I, I thought it was appropriate. Uh, someone, I was thinking about going this way and someone had on their Facebook a, a post this week. So it was a question I was asking. Why is self-control the last fruit of the Spirit? And I don't know if this is right, but this is what I was led to. Do we need self-control for all the others to work? So I'm, I'm going to read this because I want to get all these right, right, as we kind of rewind the last few weeks. You see, I think it takes self-control to be gentle servant to the Lord, showing compassion and mercy with real love, because gentleness packs a powerful punch, as Brian unpacked for us last week. See, I think it takes self-control to be faithful and not have our faith shattered by mocking of scoffers or a dissonance of others, to be in tune and true to the sound of God, ourselves, and others, as Tom mentioned. See, it takes self-control to do good, to go through the narrow gate toward life, to treat each other kindly and look out for other people, to cross the social barriers, as Ali mentioned to us. It takes self-control to hop toward hope, as Clayton mentioned, and be patient with others along in our journey. And it takes self-control to get along with others and make peace instead of constantly getting into conflict. To have joy when we're facing difficult situations in life. To take out the garbage in our life that keeps us from joy and peace, as Brett talked about. To ultimately have the self-control to have godly love. Right? Not, not love of lust or infatuation, but a love of others. Like Christ loved others. So that's why I think self-control is the last one. It is a foundation to have this cultivated life, living in that tension of the fact that we can't do it on ourselves. We have to rely on the power and promises of God, but we also have to participate and work it out, and we're involved in the process. And it's really hard because our society says we believe we have the rights to do what we want, to do it our way. But may I challenge you as I did earlier? It's not what it says. We don't have the right to be mastered by food, by greed, 
by gossip, by lust, by unforgiveness, whatever that is for you. But I also don't want us to feel, get way down, right? Because it's, I also want to remind us it's about progression, not perfection, right? It's about taking steps. Because if you're like me, you have a huge capacity to beat yourself up, right? And fall into a spirit of condemnation. Oh, I suck. I'm horrible. I'm never good enough to live in that vortex. And that's where Satan wants us, in that vortex of churns where I'm never going to get this right. And then we fall, as I talked about, into that gateway sin. Remember, God remembers our sin no more when we repent. We have to remind ourselves of that. So as the worship team comes back up, if we could have the last slide. So as you're going through today, this week, could you remember that there is no I in self-control? We have to rely on God's promises and power. But it does involve you. We have to start building some walls. What are those walls that you need to put in place, right? What are they for you? And as you approach each situation, are you moving into reacting? Or are you choosing to be in love and responding and walking with others? Ultimately, are you trusting in your commitment to God or God's commitment to you?